Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We're back at it as we get into hour number two of the program. It is a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley, taking you till 8 o'clock tonight right here on KMOX. This hour, we're going to hear uh, a couple conversations that Tom Ackerman had on Sunday morning. In case you missed them, uh, we're going to hear from uh, new Blues coach Drew Bannister in about a half hour. Uh, and not a pre-recorded conversation, but a live interview with uh, Sam Dykstra, who covers uh, minor league baseball with MILB.com. Uh, he's going to join us in just a little while. But... Of everything that aired on Sunday morning with Tom, probably the thing that got the biggest response was his weekly conversation with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak. And I think a lot of people took just a single kind of soundbite, a single sentence from Mozeliak and made a made a big deal of it. Um, and I just want to, you hearing the entire interview for yourself probably is the better way to go about it than just seeing a single sentence on social media. So wanted to replay this. We'll talk a little bit about what uh, Mo had to say uh, once it wraps up. But this was uh, John Mozeliak uh, Sunday morning with uh, Tom Ackerman, and uh, they opened up the conversation about um, where they're going, what they're doing in terms of uh, going about and finding some more bullpen help. Yeah, we were able to pick up someone in the rule five that we think can give us depth. We were able to move TO, which um, we also are excited about the arm we got in that deal. And then ultimately, as we look towards this week, I still think we're going to try to add something in the bullpen. I do feel like from a market standpoint, you know, a lot of times as you start to approach Christmas, people get much more eager to try to do something. And, um, you know, so it'd be sort of interesting to see how these, you know, next five or six days play out uh, with regards to movement. But, you know, if we're not able to do what we hope to do in the next uh, week or so, you know, we'll flip over to get past Christmas and, you know, we'll still be looking around. Um, so there's still a lot of time. And, um, you know, right now I, I think we're still in a pretty good spot from a Cardinal perspective. So, um, you know, pretty bullish on our offseason so far. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you did uh, pretty quickly. And was was that the strategy from the beginning to try to fill those three rotation spots as fast as you could? Was part of the strategy to get ahead of the market a little bit and just make sure you had it in place? Well, I, yes, because <laughs> my biggest fear was if we were if, if we were too patient or not aggressive enough, then I was just worried that those types of players or pitchers wouldn't be available. So, 
you know, as, as we talked about before, um, one of the things that, that we were really valuing is, is we felt there was a void in our clubhouse last year from just experience, someone who's been through it. And when you look at the, the three pitchers we signed, you know, what do they all have in common? They're, they're uber competitive. They understand the day-to-day routine of 162 over 187, and they want the ball. And so when you, when you factor these things into it, um, those are the types of characteristics that we wanted to, to try to identify, not just for you know, trying to get you know, north of 160 innings uh, on the mound, but we also wanted to get some presence in that clubhouse and all three of those guys uh, check all those boxes. Certainly. And I know that I have, well, I'm gonna, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to assume that you leave the door open if anything presents itself starter-wise still. like the, you, It's always a fluid situation and you leave it open. I also recall in terms of depth the fact that you know if somebody does go down, what do you do? And do you feel pretty good about that at the moment? I mean, I, I do think we, we feel okay about it, but to your point, you know, why close doors today? I mean, there's, there's still plenty of time in this offseason and there, there could be something that presents itself that just makes sense. And, you know, we actually like our bullpen. I think, you know, we're, we, we do think like the Helsley Gallegos and Romero are a pretty good way to finish a game and they give you some flexibility. And, you know, I do feel like Gallegos did not have the year he hoped last year, but I think, you know, ending the season on the IL gave him additional time to rest. Um, right now he seems to be having a very normal and, 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 um, I'd say like uh, positive off season. So, you know, we're hoping Gallegos gets back to what we saw a couple years ago and, and gives us that sort of flexibility. So when you think about adding a rotation arm still versus bullpen, all we want to do is shorten this game. You know, it's nine innings and the, the deeper we can go with our starters, the better our, our bullpen will be regardless who's in it. So um, that's really been the key of this off season. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to work that way through uh through the remainder uh, two months before we get down to Jupiter. Uh, innings are a big deal. I mean, the numbers play it out. You're better when your starters go deeper into a game. It's just the way it is. But I, I thought that a big loss for you last year was Helsley, actually. I know we make a lot of, uh, of Wainwright's injury and Michaelis getting off to a slow start and the WBC and all that stuff, and we focus on your starters. But Helsley missed like half the year. And doesn't that oh. change your bullpen structure? Absolutely. Um so what, what ended up happening last year was uh, our, our starters weren't going very deep. So we expose our bullpen. We overuse our bullpen early. And then when you lose somebody like a closer at any point, that, that can that can derail a season. I mean, look at what happened with the Mets. Um, you know, they, they were built to win. They lose their closer, and they just never got on track. And, and so – that's why, like, when you think about roster building, it's it's like you're always trying to make sure you can protect yourself for the what if. Um, I think last year um, our what if became kind of everything, and that became a problem. So, you know, we're just going to try to go into to this this coming season, 2024, with as much insurance slash protection as we can find. I know that you spent a lot of time through the years with Tyler O'Neill. So, you know, players get moved, and, and I know that, that sometimes it feels like pieces, you know, on a, on a chessboard or whatever, but they are human beings. And I know that, that uh, you spent a lot of time with Tyler through the years, but ultimately this, I think the number one reason was you needed to create some sort of relief in your outfield. Do you feel like that's there? Do you think the logjam has been lifted 
uh, in the outfield? Well, I imagine you could probably name about four or five guys that are going to say, well, they're still, they're still log jam. But yeah. I definitely feel like trying to get, you know, Keo and, and DC at bats when you're already trying to pencil in somebody like Newt, Tommy Edmond, and, and Walker, it, it's going to be challenging. And, you know, Burleson right now, Palacio, these guys are all, you know, parts on a team. And it did help to sort of clear something out. And, you know, the purpose of T.O. was was really that, um, you know, as we started to look around, the one guy that we didn't want to trade was, was D.C. because he does give you protection in all three outfield positions versus, you know, we felt like T.O. was not very comfortable playing center field and therefore just wanted to make sure that, you know, we kept that insurance um, for 2024. But, you know, Camp's going to be competitive, and that, that's one thing I, you know, certainly want our listeners to understand that you know we're going to go into this camp, and guys are guys are going to be uh, you know fighting for playing time, fighting for how this season's going to begin, and where they're going to slot into that lineup or on the bench, and so um, that's always exciting. I think sometimes when you just all of a sudden have your your starting eight kind of penciled out, it, it can it can be a, a duller camp. Whereas I think this year. You know, there's going to be some some real competition, and you know, you think about what's going on, where Donovan and, and Gorman, for example, in the infield, obviously Contreras, Goldie, and Nolan, you can pencil in, but the rest is going to be like, let's see how we uh, how we look and and how people show up. How is Donovan? Is he going to be good to go, ready to go? I think so. Yeah, I think he's uh, progressing really well. Uh, had a medical update early last week, and you know there were no real red flags for anyone at this point. So, you know, knock on wood, and that's encouraging. I'm curious your thoughts on Victor Scott. When I saw him in spring training last year, I was like, "Who the heck is that?" I mean, he flies. He, speed was unbelievable. Then I discover he's more than that. He started to become a hitter and a really good fielder. Yeah, I think when when he was drafted, he was he was a sprinter. Uh, I think now he's becoming a baseball player and. You know, that's, that's a great compliment. And so I think he's going to be a fun guy to watch, fun guy to follow. And, you know, when you're looking at, at someone that has that type of elite speed and knows how to use it, it it's, it's a powerful tool. I mean, he literally doesn't hit for a lot of power, but the fact he gets on base, it can be a double or a triple fast because um, he's that good of a base runner. And uh, we're very excited about him. Uh, I was talking with Flo the other day, and you know he's he's really excited about this guy's talent, and you know just reminded me he's got real upside. So don't, don't block him. <laughs> right, that's uh, Randy Flores, of course, the director of scouting, who's done a terrific job with that farm system. Uh, great personality, good, always fun to spend time with him. John Mozalek with us for just a few more minutes. Uh, Shohei Otani, oh my, what a, that contract changed uh, its. Uh, it changed like by the day it seemed in ter- based on reports first it's 700 million then it's 680 million deferred then it's he has an opt out according to the AP I mean what was your overall reaction to everything that happened there I, I think that I think this contract's very misunderstood okay. so I'm going to try to do a, uh, a <laughs> yeah please. contract 101 I, for everybody. I do want to hear this yes <laughs> <laughs> so the face of this contract is worth 700 million but in present value terms, it's really worth $460 million. And what that really means is if you don't understand the value of a dollar, I could give you a dollar today, and it is worth a dollar. If I choose to give you that dollar 10 years from now, that dollar is worth about $0.46. Cents. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening here is 
from a gross standpoint, it's a $700 million contract. What the Dodgers will have to book is $46 million a year based on those deferrals. Now, this is a unicorn-type deal, right? Because not many people sign a contract and defer, defer a seven or it's a $700 million contract and defer 680. That's very rare. But the reason he has the ability to do that is because he has off the field income that allows him to not have to worry about getting paid currently. And so it's to his benefit could be a tax benefit down the road. I mean, there's some risk on either side because of interest rates and that type of thing, but you know, net net, not many people can just agree to these types of terms because they don't have the off the field income or passive income from other places. So the, the key of this is just understanding present value of the dollar. And so Dodgers will book $46 million over the next 10 years, which obviously is 460 million, which is a record. But, um, you know, the 700, I think everybody took a step back when they saw that number. Yeah, yeah, no question. No, that's very well broken down. We appreciate that. And the, the competitive balance tax and, and all of those things that factor in and that $46 million figure, we appreciate that. The, the other thing, you know, I know that they're... Actually, I talked to Bill DeWitt third about this, that they have a very healthy television contract out there. We know that. Um, they're, we also know that the television situation just sort of around Major League Baseball has some effect uh, through through a lot of these teams. So what is your overarching view of that situation as it stands right now? Well, I think the, the simplest way to say it is that there's a lot of volatility right now in, in <clears throat> local revenue or local media revenue. Um, so you know, some teams have already been told <laughs> the type of hit they're going to take. Other teams are, are still uh, fingers crossed and, and trying to remain optimistic. So I think over the next uh, probably month, you're going to have a lot better, clear. You're going to have a much clearer picture on what it looks like from an industry standpoint. Um, but you know, most recently, even Seattle just took over their TV rights. So there's a lot of change happening right now. But the easiest way to think about it for for a summary statement would be there's volatility in, in local revenue, local media revenue. We appreciate you helping us navigate that as well. And thank you for your time. Again, thanks for doing this early. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We appreciate it. All right. Happy holidays. That's John Mosellock speaking with our own uh, Tom Ackerman during sports on a Sunday morning yesterday. Certainly some interesting things uh, that were said right there in regards to where the money is going to be coming in with uh, with TV rights changing. We talked about that last hour. Also, uh, the, the bullpen situation, and we'll touch on that a little bit more uh, moving forward. But up next, we're going to be joined by uh, Sam Dykstra. Covers uh, minor league baseball, covers uh, prospects for uh, MIL, uh, MILB.com. Excuse me. Uh, Sam's going to join us in just a moment. Don't go anywhere as we roll on with the Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm Cardinals outfielder Jordan Walker, and you're listening to the Sports Open Line on KMOX. The Gray Bar Sports Open Line continues right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. We're about to go back to the Quiver River Electric guest line. Uh, very happy to talk to a guy that knows uh, all things prospects, all things minor league baseball. He is uh, Sam Dykstra, uh, covers both prospects and minor league baseball with uh, MLB Pipeline, MILB.com. You follow him on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, MILB. Sam, we always appreciate you taking some time with us. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about the uh, the spring breakout that's going to be uh, taking place this year, which is going to be 16 exhibition games between uh, Florida and Arizona, where organizational top prospects are going to match up against other organizational top prospects. And this just, it seems like a really simple, easy thing to do, and you almost wonder why baseball hadn't done it sooner, but it's a really cool idea. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, since it was announced last week, uh, has been met with basically universal approval rating. Uh, and that's something you never see in baseball. So we're super excited that it's going to get started in 2024. Um, basically, the spring breakout, for anybody who hasn't heard about it yet, uh, it's going to be held over four days between March 14th and 17th. Like you were saying, 16 games, teams match up for seven innings. It's basically like the Futures game or something like the Arizona Fall League for people who follow that. It's top prospects all in the same field. Normally in the spring, you can only get that by going to the backfields of West Palm Beach or places across Arizona and others in Florida. Now we're bringing that into the big league stadium, getting these guys a little bit more of a spotlight and getting people excited about them before they head off to the four corners of the country in the minor leagues. Cardinal fans are actually going to get kind of bonused on this because of the uneven number of teams split between Florida and Arizona. The Cardinals are one of two teams that are actually going to participate in uh, two of these games, which is kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just the way the math works is that one team was going to have to play two games and that happens to be the Cardinals. So they're opening up against the Marlins. Uh, obviously those two teams share Roger Dean stadium uh, down in West, West Palm beach slash Jupiter. Uh, so it'll be Marlins at Cardinals at 205 on Friday, March 15th, and then Astros at Cardinals on Sunday, March 17th at 1005 in the morning. A lot of these are going to be paired up with major league spring training games. So you get a double header. If anybody's thinking of going down towards that area, you can see both of the major leaguers in one game, and the minor leaguers on another. And again, it's just a closer look at the future of these franchises. You've, you've, covered prospects at minor leagues for a while. Has there ever been more interest than there is right now in that part of the game? No, not at all. I mean, it used to be when I started this gig in, in March, 2012, you know, people were kind of scratching their head unless it was somebody like Bryce Harper, who had literally been on the cover of sports illustrated, a guy would get called up and you're like, who is this guy? What can we find out about him? Now fans want to know who a guy is in the rookie leagues, who, who they are when they get drafted. Uh, you know, who the fourth rounder is, who the fifth rounder is. They want to be knowledgeable going that far back. Uh, and it's super exciting for my job. It, I love that level of interest. It also, you know, forces me to be a better writer and reporter because I want folks getting the right information. Uh, it also feeds that there is more information out there. And it's easier to find out what a single-A pitcher is doing with his fastball than it ever was before. There, it's so much harder 
for there to be secrets in the game now. And I think that's better for the game. The more excitement, the better. Say, I remember a few years ago, I'm broadcasting minor league baseball, and I'm also working for the radio station that covers the games, and the radio station is thinking about dropping the broadcast, and Carlos Correa was coming in, and I was trying to explain to my bosses like how big of a deal that was that that guy was coming in. He was one of the top-ranked prospects in, in all baseball at the time, and, and my bosses just couldn't understand, and sometimes I think to myself, if I'm having that conversation now compared to you know, 10 years ago, however long it was, would it be any different? Because it does feel like there is more of an understanding of the importance of that part of the game now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you think about it, Carlos Correa was a number one overall pick. Um, you know, it's kind of been a thing in the game that people think about, oh, somebody's drafted and then I don't hear about them for three years. That's not true anymore. Uh, and it's really never been true. The minor leagues have always been there. Coverage of the minor leagues has, has long existed. But there is that appetite for it. There is that interest for it. People have hot takes over who's taken fourth or fifth uh, now. And, and you think about, like, last year around this time, people were generating real opinions on Jordan Walker. Should he be on the Cardinals' opening day roster? Ten years ago, that wouldn't have happened. He would have been a rookie, and let's get him more time at, at Memphis before that happened. And, and I love it. I love having those debates now and, and getting those guys opportunities because we just saw Corbin Carroll was an all-MLB team member in his first season. Gunnar Henderson one of the most valuable players in the American League, also the American League Rookie of the Year. These guys are ready to play when they get here. They have that level of talent, and they deserve that level of shine. want to get your thoughts on a few guys before we get you out of here, and maybe there, there might be no player more important to what the Cardinals want to do this year in terms of just everybody kind of being slotted in to where the Cardinals want to slot them in. It's all kind of built upon the idea that Mason Wynn can walk in and be the everyday shortstop starting on opening day. Do you think he can do that? And he, he you know, often he's fine defensively, offensively. He certainly struggled in his one month in the big leagues at the end of the season last year. Yeah, I think Mason Wynn is somebody who. He, he falls into that kind of category of, and we've seen this happen with a few guys. I mean, Bobby Witt Jr. a few years ago, I don't think Mason wins the level of talent of Bobby Witt Jr., but Bobby Witt Jr. took his lumps in his first season and is now basically close to superstar level. If you are as athletic as Mason Wynn is, as athletic as Bobby Witt Jr. is, you can kind of figure stuff out. I don't think the thunder's in the bat. I don't think he's ever going to get to be like a 20-homer guy necessarily, but he's going to, I think now that he's seen some major league pitching, he can spend this offseason making the necessary adjustments. And if, as long as you don't need him to be your number three hitter next year, which the Cardinals shouldn't be banking on that anyways, I think he's going to be supremely good defensively. He's going to bring a lot of value on that side. He's going to be really fast, and that plays more of a value in today's game than ever. He just needs the at-bats. So if I'm the Cardinals, I'm trying to get him those at-bats, maybe bring somebody in as a potential fallback option if it's not working by May or June. But – I would still go into the, the season expecting Mason Wynn to be my opening day shortstop. Can you build around kind of, a, you know, obviously Goldschmidt and Arnato are still around, but when we start look towards, you know, the, their career starting to fade into the next era of Cardinals baseball, can you build around a win, a, a Nolan Gorman and a Jordan Walker? Uh, I think you can definitely build around a Jordan Walker. I'm really excited to see what he can do in year two. Speaking of a guy who made adjustments, in the second half. And I know defensively he was difficult to watch, not just at times, but for most of 2023, but knowing what I know of Jordan Walker and how hard of a worker he is and what he showed in the minor leagues, I think everything's going to take up next year. I fully expect him to be batting in the middle of that lineup and being a big key piece of it. Nolan Gorman, I still have some concerns about like 
what is he defensively? What is he going to be in terms of strikeout rate? It's just so difficult to live with a guy who's striking out 30% of the time at any level, even if he hits the ball as hard as he can, or as hard as Nolan Gorman can. Um, so Jordan Walker, yes. Mason Wynn, I still have some questions about. Still really like him as a prospect, but that's what he is, a prospect. Nolan Gorman, the more he plays and the more he strikes out, I, I don't know if he's a foundational piece, more like a number seven hitter in a really, really good lineup. No one's stock has moved up more in the last year than Victor Scott. He seems to be the center fielder of the future for the Cardinals. Do you like him? I do like him. I, I like him a lot. I liked him coming out of West Virginia just because of how supremely fast he was. And then he proved that by tying for the minor league lead in stolen bases last year in his first full season. And he's talked about this. I, I talked to him about this, about him wanting to pre- push the envelope. He wants to be that Ricky Henderson type where the second he's on first base, you know he's going, and it's on you to throw him out. And with these new rules in place where you can only throw over twice or you're penalized if you try a third and you're unsuccessful, he's going to be doing that at every level. This is not going to stop just when he makes the major leagues. And because he's that fast, he plays a really, really good center field. He kind of fits the mold of a traditional leadoff guy for me, somebody who can reach base, turn a single into a double just by stealing second, maybe even turn a single into a triple by stealing second and then third. Kind of similar to Mason Wynn. He's going to be more of a line drive guy, not going to really test for big home run numbers, but everything else could be so good that he could be a very solid center fielder as early as maybe the second half of next year. Cardinals obviously sellers last year at the deadline and two players that they brought in, uh, pitcher T.K. Roby and then an infielder in Thomas Sejace who just, just keeps hitting everywhere he goes. Cardinals fans are really excited about these guys, and I think there's a feeling that they could be uh, contributing at the big league level sooner than later. Yeah, I, I know that trade was difficult to swallow after you see Jordan Montgomery pitch for a World Series champ. But Roby and Sejace, I know there are a lot of scouts who like both of them, especially Roby as a guy who can throw multiple pitches he was dealing with some injuries last year. We haven't really seen him healthy, fully healthy in a while. I know he pitched in the AFL, but he's only topped 100 innings once. The goal for this year should be getting to 100 innings, 120 innings maybe even. Uh, and if the stuff stays what it is, he could be a number three starter just because he has so many different weapons to go to. So Jason's kind of similar in that he has multiple ways he can beat you with the bat, with power. There's a little bit of speed there, not a ton. Um, he's, he's possible he could play multiple positions, but that's more of the fact that he doesn't have one set position. Uh, so the big question for me is the glove. Where do you kind of plug him in? It might just depend on team need. If he ends up at second, if he ends up at third, him and win at second and short could be kind of interesting. But like we were talking about Nolan Gorman, there's some guys blocking him. So he might have to really bust his way out of Memphis to force the issue in the first half. But the bat is there for sure for Jason. He is Sam Dykstra, covers uh, prospects in the minor leagues for MLB Pipeline and MILB.com. Follow him on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, MILB. Sam, thanks so much for the time. Have a uh, wonderful Christmas and holiday season, and hopefully we can talk to you in the new year. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Happy holidays. All right, very good. That's Sam Dykstra joining us here on the program. When we come back, we'll shift gears. We'll talk a little hockey. Uh, We'll hear from the uh, interim coach of the Blues, as uh, the Blues are, uh, well, they're 2-0 2-0 and so far since uh, Drew Bannister took over. He got the chance to uh, talk with Tom Ackerman yesterday morning. We'll hear that conversation in just a moment as we roll on with the Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. 
Kingdom is back at Ballpark Village December 25th with the Chiefs against the Raiders. Enjoy the pre-party and get ready for kickoff just after 12 p.m. Grab your friends along with KMOX and Bud Light and huddle up for the game at the best watch party in town. For more details and how to reserve your table, head to KMOX.com slash events. Watch the Chiefs with KMOX and Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the NFL. Easy to Sunday, easy to enjoy. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We do continue on. It's the Graybar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. We're about 20 minutes out from uh, late night Hancock and Kelly. It's actually Hancock, Hancock and Kelly tonight as uh, John Hancock Jr. going to be in the house, in studio uh, their sports insider and much, much more. So he'll be uh, joining them coming up uh, this evening at 8 o'clock. And we'll hear from the uh, three of them during our final segment of this program. Wanted to replay conversation from uh, yesterday morning's uh, sports on a Sunday morning here on KMOX. Uh, Drew Bannister, the new head coach of the St. Louis Blues. Blues, they've won each of the games that he's coached so far. That's a, I'm not trying to denigrate the accomplishment because maybe it does turn into something. It's just going to be something that it's going to be a little while till we know how legit this is because it's a very common thing. When coaching changes happen, teams tend to start performing at a higher level. The question is, can it sustain or is it just a temporary kind of bump? We won't know that for a while. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Drew Bannister did uh, join Tom Ackerman, and uh, they spoke through that uh, that 4-3 overtime win from uh, Saturday night where Colton Pareko scored in uh, overtime to get the win and uh, Jordan Cairo uh, scoring in that game as well. He's obviously been through a lot here over uh, the last week or so. So uh, the first thing that they did talk about was just how that game came to an end. Yeah, um, you know, I think I talked to, talked a little bit about Jordan's game yesterday in the presser and, uh, you know, certainly um, – you know his ability to, to to create plays by using his speed, and I think you you see that uh, in that clip uh, where he was able to gain some speed. Uh, him and Robbie had uh, you know kind of built their speed both with with a few drops in the neutral zone until uh, Jordan saw you know a window to be able to attack, and um, he's really dangerous when he's able to drive through uh, and, and to the net, and uh, obviously Perry following it up. Um, you know, making a pretty skilled play for for a big man to be able to pull that puck off the goal line and uh, put it under the crossbar. Yeah, and the Blues get a terrific win over the Stars, and they've won back-to-back good games. You beat the Senators, and now you've beaten the Stars, and you're off and running. Now, before we talk about your players, I want to talk about you for a minute. What was that phone call like in that uh, whirlwind, I'm certain, of a day, getting you to St. Louis, learning that you were going to take over for Craig Berube? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a call that uh, you you expect. Um, you know, I think I talked about this a little bit. Just you know, uh, you know Doug and I do have conversations. Um, you know, about uh, about players, uh, about the team at times. Um, you know, uh, usually late night phone calls are, are after games. There, there's there's usually injuries that are involved, and and we're talking about you know players that are being called up. Um, um, because Kevin Maxwell, my GM down there, I knew he was on the road. So uh, at the time, so I kind of, when the phone call came through, I, uh, in my thought, it was it was probably something towards injury and somebody calling up. So um, you know, as the conversation went on, um, you know, when I was offered the the job to come in as a, as an intern basis, uh, certainly 
you know, a very, very humbling experience, uh, extremely excited, um, you know, a lot of anxiousness and nerves too at the same time. Uh, certainly didn't get any sleep that night, had to, to, to start packing, um, you know, and then get up or get up in the morning, uh, get myself to uh, the rink in Springfield, collect myself down there, see my staff, uh, say our goodbyes, uh, and then jump on a plane and, uh, you know, had to lay over in Baltimore. I uh, got into uh, to St. Louis uh, around 4.30, I guess, got myself uh, to the rental car, got to the hotel, uh, was able to unpack a little bit, unwind, um, you know, found something to eat and then, you know, another not a great great night's sleep, but a little bit of sleep and uh, into the rink in the morning and uh, getting prepared for, for that game that night. That uh, feeling of not sleeping, I'm sure, is a mixture of all kinds of stuff, nervousness, excitement, anxiousness, all those things, because you're about to do something that you probably always thought about. When would that day come? And again, at the expense of, of Chief losing his job, but you know, you do have that opportunity. You and I are about the same age. You're 49, I'm 48. And when you spend a lot of years doing something, you gain that confidence. It's it's immeasurable what length of time can do for you. you. I'm sure you've experienced a lot of highs, lows, and all of that factors into being ready for this assignment. Yeah, there's no question about that. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, my... You know, I'll go back to my playing career. You know, I, I grew up in, in Northern Ontario playing hockey and, you know, playing at high levels and, and going through major junior and then being drafted to the NHL, you know, going through the ups and downs of, uh, of being an American. You know, at the time it was an, I was playing in the IHL. That's where Tampa's farm team was, was in Atlanta. Um, so some ups and downs there and, you know, kind of being a bubble player uh, at the NHL level, uh, trying to find my way. Um, you know, managed to, to stay in the league for, for, you know, up and down for, for four or five years, um, you know, but continued my career after that. Had some pretty good success with some teams winning some championships, you know, at the, at, at, at the American League level. Um, went over to Europe, um, you know, had some success over there. Came back over for, for a year in, in 2010 with, uh, with Ottawa. More in a veteran kind of, uh, leadership role um, down in the American League, kind of mentoring some younger players. Eric Carlson uh, was my defense partner at that time. Um, so, and then you know, later on in my career, uh, went back to Europe, started uh, as a Reg Dunlop player coach uh, for two years. Uh, I, you know, I had such passion for the game, playing, loved the, you know, loved the game, um, you know, loved the room, loved being around the guys. Um, you know, uh, I just felt, you know that it was something that I wanted to continue and it was a path that I could continue being a part of the game. Um, and, you know, where that took me was uh, to Owen Sound as an assistant coach for three years. Uh, you know, had had great people to, to, to work with there. Uh, Dale DeGray was the general manager um, at the time. Um, Greg Ireland, who was the head coach, uh, really loved working with them, learned a lot. Uh, and then, you know, after the three years, I was you know, able to, uh, you know, apply and, and get the job in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, where I played my junior hockey. Uh, and again, uh, worked with a lot of great people there. Cal Raftis, who's the GM. Uh, at that time, I'd just taken over from Sheldon Keefe, who had left to go to the Marlies. Uh, and we had three great years there. Um, and then, you know, moved on to, to St. Louis uh, with the American League team um, and been there for, I guess, five and a half years now. Minus the COVID year where we were in Utica and we did a split uh, and we were working as two teams there. So 
a lot of ups and downs um, from playing and the coaching and, and, and failing and learning and moving on and getting better. Um, you know, I think there's, you know, I, I'm one person that never rushes into anything. I want to make sure that I'm ready uh, when the opportunity comes. Uh, certainly when, you know, I left on sound to go to the Sioux, uh, I was, I felt at that time I was ready to become a head coach. I know there was going to be, you know, certainly some, some avenues that, that I had to adjust to and, and there'd be some ups and downs and there was, and I became a better coach from it. Uh, and then, you know, the same, you know, I go from, from junior where I'm dealing with teenagers to now dealing with pros in the American league level, guys that have played in the NHL, uh, you know, players coming out of junior, um, you know, now people have families, they have kids. Uh, so that was the adjustment of how, how to deal with, with the individuals, the adults, uh, the kids coming out of junior. Um, and again, you know, it's, it was always a test. You know, sometimes, you're, sometimes you fail, um, you learn from it, you move on and you become a better coach. Um, and I think over the last, you know, two and a half years, three years in Springfield, uh, we've, we've, we've really done a great job, uh, our staff, uh, of, of getting our players prepared, um, you know, in Springfield, and we've had a lot of success down there. Well, it's great to get to know you. I really appreciate this. Uh, good luck in your next game and beyond, and thank you for doing this today. We appreciate it, Drew. Uh, th- thanks for having me, Tom, anytime. That was a conversation yesterday between Blues interim coach Drew Bannister and Tom Ackerman, part of Sports on a Sunday Morning. One more break. When we come back, we're going to get a preview of tonight's Hancock, Hancock, and Kelly. That's on the way in just a moment as we uh, roll on with the Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Starting to wrap up this edition of a Graybar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. My name's Matt Pauley. Up next, it's... Uh, Hancock and Kelly late night, or Hancock, Hancock and Kelly, or Hancock and Kelly and Hancock. There's multiple options we can go with, because in addition to John Hancock and Michael Kelly, John Hancock Jr. in the house as well. Fellas, how you guys doing? Great. Doing good. It is good to see you all. Good to see you, and congratulations. Thank you. I I didn't mention it on Sports Open Line, but uh, Michael, you and Amy earlier today mentioned the fact that uh, we did announce publicly that... uh, my wife, uh, my wife is expecting, so we hey, in the Polly family are expecting. Wow. And yes. You're moving right along, right? I mean, what are we thinking? Sometime next year? Uh, uh, June 21st is the uh, date. Good for Great you. Great day. Right in the middle of baseball season. One week after Steve flag Moore day. is so excited about that part of this. Yeah, right. one week yeah. after Flag Day. That'll be great. Yeah, so Con- we'll know. Congratulations. How was the little one? Was she just uh, over the moon? She loved it. She's so excited, um, and she's, she keeps telling us how she's so excited to be able to share her toy. With her, uh, with her new younger brother or sister. When, when oh, my daughter, tape, when my daughter Mary Catherine was born, Johnny was two and a half, and uh, we remember this. We, we bought a. I remember the story. We, we <laughs> bought a. We bought a train set. He was into Thomas the Tank Engine at yeah. the time. So we George said, Carlin voiced yeah, yeah, Thomas yeah, the Tank yeah, Engine, yeah, and then Ringo yeah. Starr. Yeah. Uh, so we said he brought him to the hospital, introduced him to his little sister, and, and we said, Mary Catherine got you this train set, and he, and he was really happy. And, then he says, he's two and a half, he says, when is Mary Catherine's mommy coming to take her home? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to share the shine. Started yeah. right there. Started yeah. right there. We were having an interesting conversation uh, during the break, and uh, we were talking, the Missouri broadcasters announced their Hall of Fame class, and it involves uh, our own Mike Claiborne, yeah. which is awesome. so awesome. Yeah. Joe Buck is going to be going so in awesome. as well. So, so really, uh, an, from a sports standpoint, an incredible induction class coming up this year. Really great. And happy for Claibs, man. He's He's been doing the radio thing 
in this market, different places for, it's got to be 30 years, right? I met him when I was in high school yeah. as a board op at KFNS. Right. And he was so good to me. And kind. When I was in yeah. high school. Yeah. And where I'm at today is so connected to the to the kindness and the goodness of a Mike Claiborne. No yeah. doubt about it. And, and one of those people that when you mention the name Mike Claiborne, this rarely happens in life. Nobody has a bad word to say. Everybody Never heard loves it. Yep. Mike Claiborne. That's true. And Joe Buck, is there anybody better at what they do than Joe Buck? I mean, kind of like Bob Costas. He's just the pinnacle of what he does. The the guys who do it at the top level, and there's only a handful. half dozen of them. Yep. You know, we're talking Nance, Michaels. I, yeah. I know Brian Anderson does a lot of the TBS stuff. I, I would put him in that group. Buck, um, who am I missing in there? Uh, but I mean that that group of high level national top tier broadcasters and Ian Eagle. I mean those guys are so yeah. good. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, and then the baseball voices too. I mean you know Joe Buck. I really miss now that he's at ESPN. Joe's not doing baseball mm-hmm. anymore, and he's such a gift for baseball. And of course he got it from his father. And uh, you know it's kind of nice to see the son uh, do things the father never did. And you know that's uh, good for Joe Buck. Of course, Jack was an incredible football broadcaster doing Monday Night Football for all those years. Football Fames, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, really cool that those guys are going to be going I don't think Joe's going to have to wait long to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. No. He's definitely earned his ticket. I think that's right, too. you got uh, like 40 seconds left. What's coming up on the uh, the big show? uh, We've got the show that you won't want to miss unless you got something else to do. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, Christmas cards. we got What's Trending. Our NFL insiders live in studio with us. We're going to have the eternal debate about Taylor Swift. Is she worth it? Hmm. Is she worth it? She's screwing up the season. That's a beam. Well, that's the other thing. And Buddy buddy Michael here (laughs) never realized you could deposit checks at the ATM. We'll get to the bottom of that as well. I did it for the first time tonight. Huh. Yeah. Hancock, Hancock, and Kelly. It's on the way next. Late night here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.